Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social, and I have a fantastic guest here, all the way around the world. And we originally met when I was incredibly tipsy setting up the Architecture Social community, and we met actually in America. But all the way from Australia, I have the fantastic Sarah Lebner, accomplished architect, uh, community maker, and recently. A family, you have a new family as well, Sarah, don't you? So sure I've seen do. all the Hello, sides. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thank you for being here, Sarah, first and foremost. Okay. My pleasure. So for anyone that doesn't know you, do you want to tell us in your own words a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm the principal architect at a multidisciplinary firm in Canberra, Australia called Lighthouse Architecture and Science. We specialise in energy efficient housing. Um, I was recently awarded the Australian Institute of Architects National Emerging Architect Prize and Ooh. I... I'm also the author um, of a book, 101 Things I Didn't Learn in Architecture School and Wish I Had Known Before My First Job, um, which is also connected to the online platform, myfirstarchitecturejob.com uh, and the membership community uh, called The Architect Project, which is a place to help um, students and graduates bridge that gap between study and practice. Right. Amazing. There's so much good stuff there. And I do think that everyone here should check it out. But let's go back to the bridge. Let's expand upon what I said, because I'm sure there's a few people going, what the hell? You met in America drunk? No. OK, so Sarah, you were sober because you were halfway through your, your pregnancy and they, we were setting Very up the Mighty sober. Networks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then we were setting up the Mighty Networks. And at the time, so you were setting up your amazing resource runs for anyone here Basically, Sarah walks you through your first job in architecture. You walk through, you know, becoming an architect, all those skills. And I was setting up the architecture social, which is kind of a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit like an open platform for people in architecture. So uh, we were on this course. And so we had this fantastic uh, American style introduction to setting it up. And it was in American time. So you were probably yes. there. So yeah, but I, it, probably it was like, like it was in like, the morning for me I think at nine o'clock and then I th and then I realized who's this who's this Stephen <laughs> architect guy and it was like midnight for you I think you were watching Pirates of the Caribbean at the same time do you know what? Good memory. It was actually a Jurassic Park montage, oh. which is very. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be. And I had a, a like a probably a bottle of wine. So when I got there, I was like, "Hey, I just got a question." But we. <laughs> but yeah, that's been a learning curve. That's definitely been a learning curve. But we met each other from there, and I've been quite impressed with all the stuff you do. So before oh, this, you said. <laughs> wow. Nah, hang on. You're the real deal as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but but check this out. So I list, I watched your video before this, okay? And we and we'll put a link to it in the podcast so anyone wants to go to it. But I was almost a little bit jealous this morning. So I love London. I'm from London. I've got the noise out there. But you know, it was interesting seeing you on the farm 
you know, on your family's farm and also seeing you in your architecture practice, which I think is called Lighthouse, isn't it? Um, And so tell me a little bit about your roots. So is your background growing up on the farm and then you got inspired to do architecture? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm I'm from a very small town called Koryong. Um, it's sort of halfway between Sydney and Melbourne, if anyone knows their Australian geography. Uh, it's in, in the mountains. It's not far from the snowy mountains. We, we do have some snow in Australia, often surprises some people. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's um, I'm fourth generation on the farm and my family are actually returning back to there soon and I'll be doing the remote regional architecture thing. Um, So I guess I was really uh, influenced by that growing up, particularly when it came to sort of sustainability and and passive design, because you just understand that stuff when you grow up in the country. Mm. So I I primarily became an architect out of an interest to pursue um, sustainability and improving um, the world, dealing with climate change, uh, which has has led me to... um, through a few different jobs, but landing at that multidisciplinary mm. practice, Lighthouse Architecture and Science, which I'm the principal architect, but it's owned by a building scientist. So we, we have oh, really? scientists and architects working together to, um, yeah, collaboratively um, optimize and test um, our, our homes. I love that. That's amazing. There's an architecture practice in the UK where uh, called Owen Architects, and I used to work with them on recruitment. And the the people that set it up, one was an ex rugby player for Wales, the other person was a theatre production, and the other founder again was a scientist. So yeah, it's an really? interesting mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, but I like the work that they did, and so I can I can see as you said, it's like that little inspiration kind of really helps, I imagine, right, to get your own identity in terms of lighthouse, surely. Yeah, well, we actually, we started out, um, I joined the company when they were Jigsaw Housing and there were three directors then, a, a builder, a scientist and an architect. So that that's where our, our roots were in that model. Uh, and it was a fantastic model for starting up. Um, but uh, then as the firm grew, um, long story short, we ended up splitting that model. Um, so splitting with construction just to have architecture and science and working with a range of um, builders. Yeah. Uh, well, look, it's really interesting. But so you got this full. You're working full time at Lighthouse. So you you know you're deep in the trenches. You've got your f- family, which is fantastic as well. But what I what I find is so we're both busy bees, and basically we met because you were setting up the community, which is part of what you do. But let's expand upon because a lot of the people that listen to this in the UK, um, you know, they are from the UK because you know this is where I'm from and we've got a lot of people you know in Europe as well and some listeners in the USA but for oh, anyone great. that's not yeah 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 so and we're I, getting I'm just there we're get- duck down and plug my laptop in but please keep going <laughs> <laughs> Clearly on the ball, as you can see. Yeah, well, you're still connected, isn't it? <laughs> but but maybe some people are not familiar with your. I've got your book now, but do you want to tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the website and everything? Yeah, sure. And I will just clarify that um, when I'm not on maternity leave, which I currently am, um, I've most recently been working three days a week. So I think it's important to say right. that because. Um, 
uh, I guess our unique business model where I'm the principal, but I'm not the business owner, ah. um, it does allow me to do what I do um, in a part-time mode. So it is possible. Um, I know a lot of people sort of think you become an architect and you just, you know, work the rest of your life. But um, you, with some clever business management, you can be part-time. Um, yes, the book uh, – 100, there it is, 101 things I didn't Ooh. learn in architecture school. Um, I guess it seems like such a common experience when we uh, when we leave our university um, learning experience. We've spent all this time at university focusing on mm-hmm. um, design thinking, critical thinking, um, history, culture, all those really worthwhile things. And then um, I know the model uh, most places around the world is the same, that you, you're not an architect when you finish university. You are a graduate and then you have to gain um, work experience to learn a lot of the practical things. And I'm not necessarily mm. criticising that model because um, – it would just be impossible to add all that stuff into university. And what you're learning is so different depending on what mm. sort of sector you're in in architecture. But yeah. the problem with it is it means that you go from the rich learning environment of university into a practice where you're learning only the way that one practice does things. You're learning it mm. at a speed of very slow exposure, so only at the speed of every project you're in. Often... Mm. Um, you know, 90% of what you're doing isn't that exciting learning stuff. Maybe you're just doing graphics or drafting toilets. So the rate at which you learn all of these things is really slow and seems a bit backwards. So so that's really been my mission is to to supplement people in, in those years between um, getting their first job and hitting graduation and helping people tick off those goals sooner. And the first step to that was was my I simply asked a heap of colleagues what what are the things that really simple basic things that you wish you'd understood better in your first job. So I guess it goes through, um, you know, some basic construction things, but also professional development, how some businesses work, different construction yeah. terms, all of the things. Um, we, we did this great list between some friends of the 101 things. Um, and yes, it is a play on the opposite book. You probably know the fantastic book, 101 things I learned in architecture school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, on purpose there. And, look, the feedback has just been incredible. So many people seem to keep the book beside them on the desk. Admittedly, I even keep it on my desk at work because there's some things I research that I forget and I often go back and think, oh, I had that number in the book. Uh, yeah, so that that was step one with the book. Amazing, amazing. So we did the book on, on the book club here, and so it was really useful. And I do think as well, especially in kind of a busy world, it's good to have a book. What I like is that you've got the 101 things, and you can pick it up, and you can read three things, mm. um, and you can put it down, and you can return yeah. to it, and you can refer to it. Whereas, you know, as opposed to something which is unruly and difficult, to read but um i guess there's one thing as well we have in common apart from the mighty networks what i admire is that kind of um going out of your way to kind of teach someone maybe the bits that they don't feel very confident for um on which helps them with their career so uh one of the inspirations behind the architecture social was last year during the time when I was watching Jurassic Park and having wine and, and setting up the, the community, but was also that 
less so about maybe the literal skills that you have in architecture. But what I saw is that you had a lot of people who were leaving university and they didn't really know how to go about getting a job. You know, it was kind of like, hey, you've graduated. Congratulations. Good luck out there. Or maybe some universities would have one or two modules. But actually, finding a job is incredibly can be incredibly difficult, especially during a pandemic. And that's kind of like... um, one of the reasons and inspirations that um, that I set it up, but uh, I am I do get a lot of joy from that as well. It is a lot of hard work. I imagine like your community to run it, it's a lot of hard work. Writing a book must be a lot of hard work. But now that you've done it, I mean, uh, what's the response been like to the book and the course and your website? Yeah, um, amazing. I guess it's always nerve-wracking to put yourself out there. Uh, And Mm. I expected that, you know, people might be correcting things or saying, oh, well, I would do it differently. But I haven't actually had any of that. Just a whole lot of thank yous, really. Um, People being grateful that it exists. And Mm. uh, I guess the next layer past the book um, there's, there's a website with some useful uh, articles, but then with the membership, um, it's it's really we, we dive a lot deeper into that. I guess it's kind of like coaching and mentoring. I was doing a bit of mentoring one on one, but that's very time consuming for me, very expensive for the students and graduates. So I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, and that's really what the architect project platform is. So it's a mm. it's a, a more intimate paid community compared to the the architecture social Um, and we have sort of weekly um, content whether that's guests um, or little member sessions or little challenges that follow a theme and it's really focused on all that supplementary material so we don't cover we never talk about you know um, design or history or critical thinking those university things we focus purely on all that stuff that you're learning um, on the job in those first five years and we do talk about job seeking a bit because I think you're absolutely right. There's um, uh, some people just seem to have a knack for finding a job and knowing how to go about it. But a lot of people make really uh, basic mistakes. Um, yeah. And I think engaging with, you know, a service like you're providing can just probably shave months or years <laughs> off a job search to, to help people get Um, a foot in the right direction. And I think uh, one thing I want to say on that is I think when people are thinking about perhaps doing a course or engaging services on finding a job, they might feel guilty like they're somehow cheating or presenting false information. But I always say not at all. You are showing that you have the resourcefulness um, to – to you know, show the best of yourself or to seek out answers to your weaknesses. So um, I'm really big on people um, finding solutions to improving their soft skills as well as their technical skills. That's really interesting way to put it, by the way. I think as well, there's always, and also there's a balance out there because I, the, 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 when you're creating a course like yourself, you know, I think 
um, what's successful with it is that, yes, I do one-on-one coaching and there's a cost to that. And we have to be really open about the cost of things because you're a professional. You mentioned that you're working part-time, which I really admire because as you said, like, you know, the preconception of architecture many years ago was like, whoa, it's full-time. What are you doing? But you can, you can make this balance, but then at the same time, we all want to help everyone. But at the same time, again, things cost you know, there's an upkeep to doing these things. And like, you've got, you know, fantastic children, you have a husband, you have a house, these bills need to get paid. And one of the things that I always um, like to talk about in architecture is, you mentioned as well, um, you know, this embarrassment of maybe looking for help and all this stuff. But there's also this strange, I used to call it a Britishness, but you can tell me if it's transatlantic or, or so forth, is that people in architecture are always f- afraid to talk about money because it's seen as like, yeah. oh, that's unprofessional. When it's like, no, in my opinion, being a professional is totally okay to talk yeah. about money. It's totally okay to talk about your salary. You're going to be charging the client fees. It's really, really important. Oh, Exactly. And I think yep. a, yeah, a, a big part of being a professional is talking about salaries and even talking about it with your you know future job or your current job. And so many people worry about it. And what I was going to say, and because I want to get your thoughts on this, but where it feeds into the course is that there's so many stuff free online, but how good is the content? And what I've learned is that there's a relationship between time and money. And so when I charge um, money for something, the upside is that I know the participant is really keen, but then you get a serious hour of your time. But what's interesting about your model is that it's not even transactory based upon the hour. The beauty of the community is that it's this halfway house, right? Of like, you're there a few hours, but people can interact with each other. And in in that sense, it's great. But also the catches with this thing is it relies on participatory, isn't it? It's like a gym subscription. You got to go to it. You got to use it. You got to meet halfway. And I think that's it, isn't it? I think um, we live in a time where you can probably teach yourself anything you want to know on the internet, right? But humans just aren't that kind of animal. (laughs) We need, we need something that uh, pulls us along, I guess. And a lot of what I've seen in the online education and community, um, Space, Because when you run these things, Stephen, you follow all these groups of other people that do it, don't you? Because you're trying to work out how to do it yeah. well. Um, what I've, I've seen more and more is that really these days it's just all about help me learn this thing. <laughs> Hold my hand, <laughs> put, put me in a group of people, give me reminders, put it in a format that's going to um, attract my human brain to engaging with this thing um, and doing it. And yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the benefit of committing to anything like that. And, uh, funnily, once we pay for things, we tend to, um, pay them a bit more respect and actually do them and turn up as well. It's true. It's true. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it as much as anyone that if I get sometimes a free course at something or oh, like, yeah. you know, it's like I, I think like part of the Mighty Networks was actually I didn't go to or because there was a course, a course to make a course. Right. And I didn't go to all of them because I had a bit of that naughty boy syndrome because it was free. I was like, ah, I'll watch a recap and stuff. And actually what you end up doing is you cheat yourself. Right. Because yeah. the one or two that I did go to, you get immense value out 
out of it. And I think that yeah. um, it's the same thing. So whenever I get someone interested in coaching, Sarah, the first thing I say is like, are you sure? There's all those resources for free on the Social Social YouTube. You get me talking for 50 hours. Like, yeah. I'm, like I'm sure you people get bored of my voice or whatever, but I'm like, it's all there. But then with the coaching, I guess, and this is the interesting thing, I think it's also about accountability, isn't it? It's about like I think people, as you said, 100%. they want they want they want me or you to come across or whoever and be like, "How many CVs did you send today?" And then yeah. Like, oh, yeah. two, and, and then you're like, "Dude, come on, you can yeah. do twenty and and that's um bizarrely is worth its weight in gold. And the other the other bit that I was going to say is that what's really calm easy for me and you is not obvious for other people and vice versa. So yes. for instance, it's, re it's really hard to, in your career, look at your own CV, your own portfolio, but it's really easy for me, who's got a different perspective, to offer advice. And I imagine it's the same thing with yourself. So for anyone listening, don't be disheartened. That's why you engage with people who are experts in what they do but you know it does you don't need to be the experts on cvs and portfolios you need to be the expert in doing you but you can you know see me or you yeah. to do that i mean what's yeah. your kind of thoughts on that theory of things yeah we we actually had uh Sinea norton as our guest in the architect project this week she's a landscape architect and she runs a podcast called um dig beneath design all about design communication yeah. and she had a uh, made a fantastic point because we were talking about um how you don't often realize what your communication strengths and weaknesses are because mm. or, or, or any of your strengths and weaknesses because they do come so naturally to you um and we were talking about the value of just pulling up some friends or colleagues and saying hey i know this is a bit weird but would you mind telling me what you think my strengths and weaknesses are? And I was asking her because we were thinking about, um, you know, you can then go out and seek to improve those weaknesses. But her interesting point was you should double down on what your strengths are like an elite yeah. athlete would, right? Uh, because yeah, yeah. that, you know, improving your weaknesses might get your foot through a door or might help you deal with the basics. But honing your strengths is what can really help your skills or career take off. Um, and I think I think you're doing both when you're engaging in a any kind of um, conscious um, development like we're talking about. That's really interesting. I do think there's something in there. Um, and I do, I do think it's good to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I used to do it in a in a roundabout way. So uh, it, where I worked before. So uh, it, it, look, I'm, I, I went from architecture into recruitment, right? Technical detailing was not my strength, right? I hated it. <laughs> but right, it's just not for me. Okay. Yeah. I used to love the front end. I used to love doing that stuff. But I'd as say a person, we're similar on that level. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Well, look, you've done really well out of it. But for me, in terms of what uh, what I do is that I'm very good at talking, very good at communicating, but I am not very, A, I'm not very organized. You know, you, when you get that list person, that's not me. Yeah. I've got yeah. no list. 
I've got no plan. I, I've got to oh, generate you give, you a You're making me feel anxious just listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you like lists, I'm a nightmare because they're like, what's your plan today? I'm like, I'm going to go with my gut. <laughs> they're like, what the hell does that oh, no. mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, like, because of that, I am good at following my gut. I'm good at leading teams and stuff. So, yeah, But yeah. I always need to work on that balance. However, you're right uh, that... Because I know I'm not good on uh, organizing, I might have got some software somewhere to do stuff. But um, do you know what? It's like, just embrace what you're good at. It's like, do a part. That's what I do now. I do a podcast. I do things. But I do have a calendar set up and I do automate things. So like this was automated before, Sarah. So I, I knew yes. you would get an invite. I knew you would get everything because otherwise, if you put it down to me, I'll forget, mate, you know? So it's a bit of a... Yeah, there's a bit of a balance. But so look, while you're here, maybe I can get a bit of advice from you. So I do um, the in-house recruitment for Acro Larry. I run the architecture social. I have a few of these ideas, okay? But how do you balance Lighthouse? How do you balance a family? How do you balance the community? And like you won awards last year and that's amazing, but how do you balance all this? You gotta let me in on the formula, right? <laughs> uh, people have been asking me this and I'm not sure I really know the answer. You know, it's, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I, I just do it. So I've been trying to think about this and and um, have hazard a guess at perhaps what some of the answers are. Um, the 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 kind of cop out uh, answer is that you've got to have a good team around you, both in your work and in your family, right? Um, True. For example, my my husband does the grocery shopping and cooks dinner and. Uh, point point blank. If he didn't do that and I had to do that, the architect project would not exist. Right? That's an extra yeah, yeah, hour yeah. at yeah. least in my day. Okay, so yeah. that's just a word for a lot of my mum friends yeah. I know that are, are doing absolutely everything. They don't have time to do anything else. And similarly at work, you know, having a great team around you. The fact that Jenny runs the business. Um, takes a lot of that business side of things off of me. Um, but that's not to say that I don't get a hell of a lot done because I think I do. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And gosh, what uh, what are the tips? I mean, I, I do write lists. I am organized. I try to automate things. Um, I, I, I'm fiercely efficient, <laughs> especially wow. since having kids. Um, I would say, you know, I have uh, templates, for example, set up for all of the um, content that goes out on our Instagram. And it, it literally takes me a couple of minutes every day that I have to post to just um, put stuff in there. Um, and I think since having children, I've become very decisive in my work, not so much in my personal life, but um, yeah. gosh, I think anyone that has kids is, is about 20 times more efficient than they were just because you don't have time to dilly dally. You just got to um, delegate and move on. So uh, I'm go I'll have to mull on that one a little bit more um, as it. we talk because yeah. you know there must be other other useful things but um, yeah I don't know trying to be organised wor working out shortcuts and hacks. I 
Do you know what I like about that? It's an honest answer, and I, I did the same. Where it's basically you've got all this stuff going on, and I think that there's an element. What's good about doing architecture? We all have that like firefighting ability in us. You know, it's basically like having a few projects on the <laughs> go, isn't it? And you, That's a good and idea. You, and you, yeah. you juggle. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, okay, I've got a bit, a bit of time here and a bit, a bit of time yeah. there. But yeah. um, you delegating. know, delegating. I've become really good at delegating. You've just yeah, you've just got I, I, you've just got to as you get better in practice. You where, where, as you move up in a practice in a firm, uh, you don't have time for what you're being paid and how much work you're managing to sort out. You know the little annoying things that you could do, mm. but you know a lot of things come across my desk and it's like, well, I could sit here for an hour and. Um, correct the graphics on this thing or I could ask someone to do this for me in two minutes and move on to the next thing. Yeah, look, and there's, look, I think that's really well said. What I'd love to explore your thoughts on as well is so that your situation, look, you've got a lot of hard graft and and I admire what you've done, but you've kind of forged that circumstance for yourself, right? Because, you know, the, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but my, like in architecture before, in recruitment, I'd have many people come up to me and go, I'm looking and I'm looking for a part-time job. And so even two years ago before the pandemic, I'd be like, oh, that's nice. Good for you. I have like only full-time jobs. I would love to give you that, but this is what architecture practices are looking for. And I think like the idea of an architecture practice before was like, no, you're in every day. So the kind of the pandemic came and I think it opens up certain opportunities. But where I see, Sarah, the the uh, industry going is a little bit of level of flexibility. But now in London, the vibe I get is that it, people are being encouraged to go back to the office. And I can kind of see that um, it's really important to have that interface with your team and getting you know getting to know each other and working out some issues but at the same time we are in like this new world now and i do think that we have to be really um upfront about things have changed right and do we so my question or your thought is, is like you know where do you see practices in australia go do you think your current circumstance is very unique towards you or do you see things driving towards the way they were or will things change a bit yeah i i i, I can tell you where i hope that they would go um and I'm, i might step back for a bit and and this will relate I, I thought of one more thing that helps um to to get a lot done in your career is to not try and know it all yourself. Um, I've increasingly recognised the value of collaboration and communication. I know it sounds cliche, but um, rather than trying to work something else out, pick up the phone, give someone a call, five minutes to someone you know who has that knowledge sorted, you know, rather than sitting down with some manual and reading it for four hours. That's a really big one. But that also overlays with where I see practice going and where I think younger generations will take practice. Younger generations, um, from my observation, um, uh, really don't hold the same – I'm not sure whether it's it's ego or just the way we used to think, sort of holding your cards to your chest and I must be the expert and I can't tell anyone how I'm doing it. Um, and that's just flipping on its head, I think. Um, we all know that now that a rising tide lifts all boats. So, you know, the more you can share and chat about things and just be generous with everything you know, that all comes back to you tenfold. 
and I'd 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 like to see um and I I, I don't know how it um uh, happens, but I'd like to see education shift more towards this as well to teach it. Um, but I, I think flexible collaborative practice where perhaps we're all sort of knitting into each other rather than these these sort of tower models of um, firms. Perhaps there'll be more smaller practices and more individuals and maybe you you get together a, a collaborative project team a bit more just, just for that project rather than uh, very static models of um, this is our firm and this is how we work um, and this is the process you will take. Um, mm. And I think the way that we're communicating and getting together during COVID and all the things that's challenged on challenged us on is only going to foster and fuel that kind of uh, thinking, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really, really does. I think um, it's definitely going to be interesting. I do think that there's so many... Um, while coronavirus is awful, of course it's awful, but there is, I think, have been a few, you know, silver linings out of um, the fact that, and I was speaking to a friend last night, it's kind of like, it's been traumatic for everyone in one sense, but what I like is that we have all gone through it the same time together, right? So it's not like it's the equivalent of me having like a nervous breakdown on my own. It's yeah. that the whole world had a nervous breakdown. And yeah, I think that, that's so true. I, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, so I was saying like, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's been tough in this regards and in other areas it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, and, do, but I love do you the know what, fact. One thing that I really love, um, we yeah. see each other much more as humans. I think this is going to do a great thing for practice as well, um, particularly yeah. for per parental flexibility, um, which will you know, mm. primarily benefit women in the profession. Um uh, in that it will also help men partners be flexible and work from home as well. Um, we're all we've all zoomed into each other's home offices and lounge rooms with toddlers and kids and mess and you know weird housemates. <laughs> um, and suddenly, you know, we're not this sort of s stiff person in a um, corporate outfit at work. We all know that yeah. we're human, and we've gotten used to that, and that's okay. Uh, I was uh, when I did the um, National Emerging Architect tour. One of the reps for the sponsors, the window company AWS, um, they would sort of chime in at every event and, and do their sponsor spiel at the start. But this guy joined the whole session from his uh, toddler's uh, bedroom. His wife was um, unwell, so she was in another room. He did his talk. He attended the whole thing with two toddlers running around him and a dog, and he managed managed bath time and it was just the most distracting wonderful thing to watch but you know that was a, actually a bonus for us to see that and to see him as a human and you know people have struggled because I don't know what you've had in the UK but we've had schools shut down so people are trying to yeah, work from absolutely. home and parent and just a I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but absolute you shit can, show. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can swear. It's the same. It's yeah. the same year. And that's I, just been incredible. I, and people yeah, have still it, gotten stuff done, you know, uh, amazingly so. So, we, you know, we've worked out that people can still be human. You don't have to hide the fact that you're a parent or you've got a sick kid. Uh, mm. You're still going to get your stuff done. 
Well said. I think that um, that's been that's the interesting bit that we've still got stuff done. I did used to manage someone on my team before who had two very small children, and he did do his work really well. Although Sarah, I did feel sorry for him because it's like <laughs> he's got wonderful kids, but I'd ring him up and they'd be like, "Ah, daddy!" And you're just like, "Oh my gosh." Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Good luck d- with that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I do have a fear that we'll all start working sick from home because now there's this new pattern of oh, I'm sick. Uh, I'm going to work from home today. And that oh, worries yeah. me a little bit. No. Yeah. You're still going to take can, the sick day. And I'm not I encouraging can... parenting and working at the same time. You cannot be a parent and a worker at the same time. You're either going to do yeah. both poorly, um, or you've got to pick one or the other. But yeah. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, do you know what? It's really interesting you mentioned about the sickness, but I tell you what, it would be interesting. The one bit I do not have perspective on is how it must feel to be a student right now. On one end, really sounds true. Co- sounds really cool. But then on the other hand, like I have so many cool memories of Go it well. It sounds cool. I'm, maybe I'm romanticizing them a bit because maybe like I'm staying up all night and going to the printer and it being jammed was you know not a <laughs> great experience. But there is something nice about um, you know the physical aspect of going to uni, make, making friends, you know, getting drunk and like and but also working really hard. And and I do I do think that students have had it difficult at the moment. You know, and yeah, and I, there's I, a. F- I, 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 I can't imagine living on my grotty university residence um, <laughs> with all the characters in lockdown. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I really yeah. feel, you know, I've got um, members in the architect project doing their first and second year and they haven't attended a class in person. And, and that yeah. really breaks my heart. But, you know, that's why what you're doing and what I'm doing has been a bit of a lifeline in a way um, because these students do have somewhere to go and um, try and replicate some of that. But I I think, Stephen, what we will do hopefully is mesh the benefits of both. So hopefully people will soon be able to go back to being in classes and collaborating, but we can also take what we've learned from um, the benefits of online communities. So, for example, um, I've had members that, um, you know, they're really clever, proactive members that have reached out to some of the guest speakers after they've been on. You know, that's really clever, asking them for a job and saying, hey, I'm part of the architect project Mm. and um, uh, I was wondering if, you know, you give me an interview. And, And they've, because we're a national platform they've made great connections um all around australia um and you know a couple of them have ended up getting jobs and moving into state and then they've already had some connections so uh, there's still definitely many benefits to be had for us learning all these online skills um whence when we can when i say go back uh progress into some kind of new normal yeah, I think that um, what I admire and is that anyone that participates. So you, you're right, especially as we're community makers, right? The architecture social, and I'm sure you feel the same, is that these courses and stuff, they well, we were talking about it before as well. They live and breathe and die by participating. But there is, um, there is a cav- there's something really important in there because like if people participate or not in certain things they do in the architecture social, 
I still go to sleep at night, but they are designed for the people. So what I mean is that like anyone that's doing the hustle, they win. I loved your story there about people reaching out to the guests afterwards and making a connection. Those yeah. are people that are get ahead in life. It's just yeah. about doing, you know, and being involved. And like, I don't mind if people go into the social and then, you know, things pop up in life, they do something else. But I think it's just great great when people make noise when people yeah. have ideas and then act upon it it's like there's so many times in the past where i'd have an idea for something and then i don't know i just sit on my ass and i didn't do anything and that's where like the architecture social came from me wanting to do something in the pandemic and i'm sure that your book came from you know the inspiration that you wanted to to the book, you felt that there was an opening for the book, but writing the book took a lot of bloody work, didn't it? It wasn't <laughs> yeah. easy. I imagine it took a lot of time. And I think that anyone listening, it's about the act of doing. It's like Sana on scale. She's got so much things going on and she's always doing stuff. And I think like that's inspirational as well. So like, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's just we, we, doing, we harp isn't on it? about our communities here, but really, we're, we're, the message is whatever you're getting involved with, uh, you, you got to do. And it's it's probably the the career advice 101, right? Just be proactive <laughs> in whatever your interest is. Uh, just get involved. And I heard a great um, quote once. It said, "All you have to do." <laughs> Um, to get ahead is be a tiny bit better than the people around you. I always think about that. It's really reassuring. <laughs> um, but I think it's the same with proactivity, right? People think, oh, there's all these people around me looking for jobs, but um, uh, most of them are just sticking to the default, doing minimum effort possible. And if, if you can just do a little bit more um, in in whatever you're trying to achieve, uh, that's that's how you get ahead. Um, what's the other great uh, saying is if you if you do what you've always done, then you'll get the same results you always have, right? You yes, have to make the change. Well and that was the theme of my um, tour, of course, last year was you, you have to be the change that you want to see. Pro I think I've ripped it off Gandhi or something, but it's, it's true. It's a, it's 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 um it's very relevant. It's very very relevant. And so look, there's we're at a nice segue now, okay? And those were wise words. But it's only fair that on this podcast that you get to ask me any question you want live because it shouldn't be a one-way thing, right? It should be a two-way thing. So Sarah, oh, wow. what would you love to ask me? Ah, oh, this is really interesting. All of my guests that come on the show, I ask them what their number one piece of advice is um, for young architects. But I'm not going to ask you that because that would be too easy. Yeah, when you were one. a graduate in your first yep. job, what was your biggest fear in in terms of your career? Oh my gosh! Right, so. I was enamored by the fact I got a job. I was like, oh, I'm so privileged, you know? And I think that I look back and while that's sweet and I was respectful and I think that's very important, it's that I think that 
I maybe it should have like calmed down a bit on that because I do think that there's an element of everyone's human beings and while they were amazing to me I think that if you're too enamored then um, I think that where that's dangerous is that I was lucky because my first architecture practice they were lovely to me but I do think that if you're enamored you know that you feel like oh I am um, you know, I am super, super lucky to get this job, then I think you can be prone as a graduate to being, um, you know, that um, that trust is abused. And I do think that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk right now. It's a very, very healthy conversation about, you know, unpaid jobs. There shouldn't be unpaid jobs and internships and, you know, hours and hours and exploitation. So I do think that, um, you know, architecture as a culture, the fact that I got a job, I was so grateful for it and luckily EPR Architects of Lisbon they were so good to me I wasn't asked to work late you know they were really respectful I you know it, it was so supportive but I worry that some people could have that attitude and go into like um, another practice and then work long hours and not paid and you know it's it's it, it can leave people prone so sometimes I think that the um, that's what I look back on. And uh, while it's sweet in my head, I do think I'm a bit more streetwise now. You know, it's like a job is, uh, in my opinion, two ways. You should be grateful that you've got the opportunity, but then also you should always be thinking about what is a fair salary? What is, um, you know, good experience? Is this going to help me with my part three? Is there career growth yep. here? Is my boss being yep. respectful of my time as well? So yep. that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was, my that's good. My that partner right, would say <laughs> my partner would say on one side of the coin you are always replaceable. <laughs> that's the sort of yeah, being oof. a little bit humble about Bro. your job. But on the other side yeah. of the coin, he would also equally harshly say you got to take care of yourself cuz no one else will. <laughs> yeah. Well, Harsh it's, thoughts, it's it's true. Good to keep in the back of your mind. It, it is true. And I've also done the other mistake as well. Where And I read another quote. I think it was on Reddit because sometimes I go on Reddit and um, it was the same thing about I think that um, what's interesting is most people feel really indebted to their companies. But just so you know, the company probably doesn't feel quite the same about you and you are easily replaceable. And you have to realize that sometimes, even though the company can love you, architecture, we're a little bit like the canary in the mines. And if that big project drops out, and even though you're the key person, Sarah, it's like, hey, there's no projects in. And you can be put at a place of risk. So you always have to keep that in mind. And I think that it comes, we, we're looping back to a little bit about what we talked about earlier. Part of being a professional is talking about your role, your responsibility, and your salary. You know, and it's all yeah. about where your career is going. And yeah. I think that when you have that mind frame, then if, for instance, a project's pulled, then, you know, you're in that tricky situation, you won't feel so shaken up because I remember that when I got made redundant before and, um, it, you know, I was hurt. I was really hurt and it caught me out. And now having done recruitment for a while and, and seen lots of people go through this, it's very normal. Redundancy in architecture is not like you failed. It means that either yeah. a project's lost or things can happen. So yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're right. So Sarah, unless you got one, have you got one more question for me? Before we go, oh, on the spot. Um, 
what what's yeah, next I do it for on the, the architecture social? Ah, uh, good question. What's your dream so for I, it? Oh, that's hard, man. So, um, so Ackroyd Larry, where I work, they're helping me with the architecture social um, as non-equity directors, and so they asked me why, and it was fucking difficult, right? Why? Do you know what I mean? Like, we get caught in the yep. process of how we've got the I've got the mighty networks. If we've got the website, we've got people yep. are interested in yep. this. That's how, but why? Why is really difficult. And so I spent the last two weeks thinking about why, mate. I was like, why, why, why am I doing all this? And like <laughs> my theory, but it's hard, isn't it? Because you get caught yeah, in the middle yeah. of it and you're like, why, why did I do this? And, and so I have to like loop back and like, so the my drive and remember it was always like this on the mighty networks as well it's like what's your mission yep. how are you going to relate to people and like yep. i've got to be real about who i am and it's like the i've done architecture i've done recruitment finding jobs in architecture is fucking hard okay and also finding people for your team is difficult recruitment is difficult and i think that if in the architecture social companies and you know job seekers talented people can interact with each other and again if it goes back to that theme we talk about of engagement i think that's the why because i think that linkedin it's a great platform but it's a bit siloed but my mission is more about getting those companies and employers and employees together so that's the why how it shapes up and how it evolves um, will be interesting you know, and I think that I would like to not have it all digital, Sarah. I'd like a physical aspect to it because I think that the hybrid will win in the future. So, you know, I would like to see it being like yeah. an office or a hangout space with the forum, with things. And I think that's where I want to take it is a mishmash, you know. I've just had a million dollar idea for you, Stephen. You need Go to on. make... Tinder for architects. <laughs> oh my God. You know how brutal that is. It's like, nope, <laughs> nope, no Reddit. <laughs> nope, roop. I, wow. Maybe, I maybe tell you what. <laughs> one day, one one day maybe one day maybe but thank you uh, on that note can, can Sarah. i finish off Stephen? can i just do a yes. quick plug there's a brilliant series we've just published on our website um myfirstarchitecturejob.com cool. called breaking into architecture really quick punchy articles from a range of architects um on their career advice about getting started and just there's something for everyone in there so um head to Amazing. our articles to find those thank you brilliant thanks for having me of course let's see the website sarah what is the website before you go for your yeah where we can find it that? is myfirstarchitecturejob.com brilliant you can connect with sarah on instagram on linkedin on that word note we're gonna go now sarah stay on the line while this podcast updates people reach out to you online and thank you very much thank you 